When you hear this line, the first time. you know you might as well go make yourself a sandwich because you're going to be here a while. When I was a kid, I thought this song was depressing and interminable. I've since grown to love it, but it's been a journey. The first time ever I saw your face was originally popularized by the legendary Roberta Flack, and by this point, it's ubiquitous. It's been sung on reality shows. The first it's been belted. It's been sung in midair. So Numerous notable singers have covered it. The first time ever I saw your face launched Roberta Flack into superstardom in the early 70s. But what many people may not know is that the version that we all know and love is itself a cover song. And if Dirty Harry, of all people, hadn't intervened, well, do you, punk? we might never have heard it at all. I'm Dara Star Tucker, and this is The Breakdown. Roberta Flack occupies an interesting territory on the musical landscape. Many people think of her as a singer-songwriter, and while she is a very prolific songwriter, most of the songs that she's known for singing were actually covers by other singer-songwriters, like Eugene McDaniels, who wrote two of Roberta's biggest hits, compared to what? Trying to make it real. And Feel Like Making Love. You could almost think of Roberta Flack as the natural successor to Nina Simone's legacy. Both Nina and Roberta's primary strength lay in their ability to completely reimagine a song and make it their own. Roberta's rise really began just as Nina Simone left the U.S. to seek refuge in Liberia. Nina and Roberta were both born in North Carolina. Both were childhood prodigies, showing promise on the piano at an early age. Both grew up heavily steeped in church music, but had extensive training in classical music. They both even described missing out on early career opportunities due to racism. But I, I didn't understand why I didn't get Get that scholarship and um, there were people around me who knew about my talent as well and they said Nina it's because you are black I should have won but I didn't and one of the reasons I didn't win was because it was a segregated contest. They were both known for producing socially conscious music and both had a reputation for being a bit difficult to work with. And ultimately, they were both equally difficult to categorize musically. Roberta was a genius and they never knew what to do with her. Roberta Flack was born in Black Mountain, North Carolina, but was mostly raised in Arlington, Virginia. She received a full classical piano scholarship to Howard University at the age of 15. She eventually became a music teacher in D.C. In the late 60s, she started performing at a local club called Mr. Henry's on Capitol Hill. Her soulful balladry began to create a buzz, and she quickly became a local sensation. Jazz pianist and singer Les McCann stopped by Mr. Henry's to see what the fuss was all about, and he was entranced. I saw what appeared to be this very timid person. Just shy and reserved, but underneath I knew there was a strong, powerful person because of the way she sang. He immediately called Joel Dorn, a producer with Atlantic Records, and urged him to sign her. Because Les McCann called here, he said, there's a girl in Washington, her name is Roberta Flack. I said, I heard about Roberta Flack before, leave me alone. I don't want any chick singers, they're a problem, they're a hassle. Les McCann didn't want to know about no for an answer. So I, fine, I'll send her a contract. And then, you know, then I heard the tape and then I heard her. It was unbelievable. 
1968, Roberta recorded nearly 40 songs for Atlantic Records. We went in, I recorded 40 songs. The 10 or 11 songs that are on that album were from that session. And they call that album First Take because I did them like in one take. The second song on the B-side was an interpretation of a song called The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face. It was written by a British folk singer in 1957 named Ewan McCall, who was known for writing mostly protest and labor songs. He wrote it for the woman he was having an affair with, singer Peggy Seeger, who would later become his wife. She's the half-sister of legendary folk singer Pete Seeger. Where have all the young girls gone? Now, if you've never heard the original, brace yourself. It's nothing like the version most of us know and love. And it strangely didn't become a hit at the time. Hmm. After McCall and Seeger released the original version, the song was covered mostly in folk circles, having been recorded by people like Gordon Lightfoot. The first time ever I saw your face. Peter, Paul, and Mary. And the Kingston Trio. Roberta Flack first heard the song from a gospel folk duo called Joe and Eddie around 1965. She performed it frequently at Mr. Henry's. The song appeared on Roberta's debut project in 1969, but it really didn't garner much attention. It was played on the radio here and there, but it wasn't released as a single and it didn't make much of a splash. Enter Dirty Harry. Do you punk? Well, he wasn't Dirty Harry quite yet. Clint Eastwood had played in mostly westerns throughout the 1960s. He helped popularize the so-called spaghetti western genre, but he still hadn't garnered much acclaim. He longed for a sense of creative control, and he knew he could only find that through directing. He finally got his chance with 1971's Play Misty For Me. It was the story of a jazz DJ who ends up being stalked by a crazed listener, who went on to become the matriarch of this dysfunctional group. Clint Eastwood wanted to find the perfect song to accompany a love scene between his character Dave and the Donna Mills character Toby. The story is that he was driving down the Los Angeles freeway and heard the song. The first time ever I lay He said the song just totally hypnotized him. And he found himself driving off the side of the freeway. He immediately called both Roberta Flack and producer Joel Dorn to get permission to use the song. Clint Eastwood's on the phone. He said, I just finished directing my first film. It's called Play Misty for me. And he said, I want to use that song in the montage that the whole movie builds to. So I said, knock yourself out, Jack. Roberta tried to convince Clint to let her go into the studio and record a truncated version of the song. And we talked and he said he wanted to use it. And I said, no. And I said, it's too long. I'd like to, you know, to do it again. He said, no, I'd like to use it. So I said, well, take the first eight or 16 bars out. You don't need that piano intro. He said, I want every note. He used the entire song in the film. The Roberta Flack version is such an affecting interpretation, mostly due to the fact that it's significantly slower than the original. Turns out that that interminable quality is exactly what makes it so special. It forces the listener to concentrate on each and every word. This was a creative choice Roberta made against the advice 
advice of producer Joel Dorn. He told her that it would ruin any chance the song had of becoming a commercial success. And for a time, he was right. The song was released in 1969, and it just sort of sat there. Only when Clint Eastwood decided to include it on the soundtrack of Play Misty for Me in 1971 did it make a splash. out there had been out there and every now and then you'd hear it on the radio but it did not have the wide acceptance until people could associate something visual with it. After that, Atlantic Records released the song as a single, trimmed by one minute. Suddenly, it was being played everywhere and Roberta's career was launched into the stratosphere. If that hadn't happened, she might have spent her life singing to Mr. Henry's. And the world kicked the doors down. In early 1972, the first time ever I saw your face reached number one on Billboard's Hot 100 and Easy Listening charts. It reached number four on the R&B chart. And at the 1972 Grammy Awards, it won both Record of the Year and Song of the Year. The first time ever I saw your face. Roberta Black. And that sold four million records and won the Grammy for Record of the Year. It skyrocketed her. exciting occasion for me. I could stand here and thank a million people. I'd like to thank everybody. Thank you very much. And in what was possibly the coolest honor, NASA chose the first time ever I saw your face as the wake-up music on the last day of the final lunar mission before the astronauts of Apollo 17 returned to Earth in 1972. A fitting way to capture the wonder of laying eyes on the face of the moon one last time. Join us on the next episode of the I'm All Over the Place podcast, where we'll have an extended conversation with Adam Dorn, son of Joel Dorn, who produced The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face.